Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Have you gotten Ronald yet? Welcome into the Diamond Balls podcast on GoBalls247.com. I'm Ben McKee, joined by former Tennessee pitcher Will Heflin. And boy, do we have a fun one and plenty of things to discuss. I am recording in my hotel lobby uh, near midnight. So if you hear any background noise or others speaking, that that is what it is. And hopefully it doesn't come through too bad. But uh, Will, it was a fun day at Charles Schwab Field. Tennessee takes care of business knocks off Wake, not Wake Forest. Wake Forest will be waiting for the winner of uh, Tennessee and LSU on Tuesday night because Tennessee beat Stanford and Wake Forest beat LSU. And the story of the game, the offense rallied, but man, Chase Burns was Chase Burns once again. Yeah, it was kind of a a throwback uh, Rosenblatt feeling day with the park just playing massive. The the wind was blowing straight in, but it kind of felt really similar to the Southern Miss game too. For me, just not just the score, but kind of the way it played out. We spotted them four and then we came back and, and ended up uh, winning six to four. But yeah, the, the story was just chippy offense, um, finally being able to bust through and and string together rallies with without having the long ball um, really as an option just single up the middle, grind out at bats, that type of thing. And then Chase Burns with quite literally a historical performance in Omaha. Um, That was something to see. He was, as he's been lately with the fastball and the slider, which is always dang near unhittable in and of itself. And then I saw a new little sprinkle in there with some curveballs and they talked about him in the dugout. He was talking with, uh, was it Lindsay or somebody on a Halverson. change? It was Halverson. Halverson on a changeup grip, and he flashed one of those. It was only ninety two, I think, um, on the changeup, and you know it had had good action. But he got a strikeout and a couple strikes with the with the curveball, which was something that he hadn't been going to as much, especially since moving to the bullpen. But it was basically a start out of the pen today. I mean, six scoreless, two hits, nine strikeouts. It was dominant, dominant, dominant. It was, and I want to expand on that. I, I spoke to Seth Halverson. I, I talked to Cal Stark. I talked to Chase Burns off to the side. I talked to all those three guys off to the side. And uh, once we wrap up this podcast, I'm going to go back up to the hotel room and uh, finish off that that story. There, there were some cool little nuggets, and, and I don't want to give it all away so people will – hopefully read my story, but uh, Chase Burns had been throwing that curveball, Will, 4% of the time (laughs) prior uh, to today, and he kind of flipped it up there kind of in the middle of nowhere. When I was talking to Cal Stark, he said that in the seventh or eighth inning, he was shaking off every pitch that Cal was putting down, and and Cal was thinking to himself, does he actually want the curveball? 
and he puts down the curveball, and, and Chase Burns shook, yeah, I want it, and he flipped up a, an 83-mile-an-hour curve that kind of threw me off because, again, he doesn't throw it a ton. And, and in my head, I'm thinking, wait a second, that was not the slider because it's 83 miles an hour. It wasn't the changeup because the changeup sits low 90s uh, in, in addition to the slider. Uh, he, he's not really throwing – uh, a splitter, although it kind of had somewhat of a splitter break, but it, it certainly looked more like a curveball break. Uh, and it wasn't the changeup because it had too much break to be a changeup. So uh, I was kind of befuddled there for a half an inning, but uh, I asked uh, Chase Burns afterwards and he said it was the curveball. And like I said, Cal Stark uh, was kind of surprised that he shook to a curveball and, and it worked it and, and it kind of worked from, from that point on. So, uh, I, I thought it was fascinating, and this is more of an off-season topic, Will, but, you know, he, he's truly been a reliever, and, and I'm not speaking about how much he has thrown in his appearances uh, since he moved to the bullpen because he's certainly thrown the amount of pitches that, like, a starter would throw or, or a long reliever, but in terms of his arsenal and the amount of pitches that have been working for him, I mean, it's mostly been fastball slider. And today, I mean, he was a four-pitch dominant pitcher. And, again, this is more of an off-season topic, but if he can master all four of those pitches going into next season, I mean, he he is a starter, and, I mean, he's already going to be a first-round pick, but, I mean, he he's potential number one overall pick if, if he can master uh, those four pitches because, I, like, we just talked about the curveball, and you brought up the changeup. ESPN showed Seth Halverson – kind of giving Chase Burns some tips and I was fascinated by that and and I talked to Seth off to the side and was like what what was he asking you and he said that uh, Seth kind of you know baseball players are superstitious uh, so he kind of found himself a spot in the dugout he started off on the rail wasn't going going well so he stepped back and that's when Tennessee started to rally and uh, he was kind of standing there because it was working uh, Tennessee was doing well with with where he was standing, and it happened to be kind of around Chase Burns. And out of nowhere, Chase Burns leaned over and was like asking for for tips on on the changeup and, and kind of how he gripped it, um, because Burns said that when he was out there warming up, he wasn't getting uh, the downward trajectory that he was wanting. So he's asking Halvey for some tips because he knows that Halvey throws a, a good changeup. And uh, Chase said that he kind of and Seth said the same thing that he took Seth's grip that Seth showed him in the dugout and used it out there on the field and it worked. And he said it was more, uh, if I can quickly pull up the the quotes, but it, I believe he said it was where uh, he had two, two fingers on, on the seams. I don't know. I have so many tabs up uh, on my computer at the moment. I, I can't even get to, to my quotes. Uh, here we go. Um this is really bad podcasting, but it's almost midnight and we're, we're going to do this anyways. Uh, he said that he was just kind of asking me about it. So I was showing him, um, nope, that, that is Seth Halverson's quotes. We're going to get there at some point. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Burns. Uh, here it is. Finally, I apologize for that bad podcasting, but again, what we're, 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 we're laboring through. He said, I had my fingers on the three seams and one on the bottom. Uh, it was a little bit different than mine. It will always depend on how I'm feeling and how I'm moving off the mound can dictate if that pitch is, is working that day or not. So, uh, he, he had his fingers on, on the three seams and one on the bottom, like how we showed him and, and the changeup was, was really, really working. And, and when Chase Burns has, has four pitches working like he did and he's throwing that velocity and, and he's getting the break that he was getting on all, all those th three pitches will i mean he he's unhittable like you saw today yeah 
good night at that point. Kind of reminds me of uh, a very young Will Mabry, who had a great year last year for the Vols. We were always going back and forth on changeups because it's just such a field pitch. You know, he would come to me, how are you throwing this? And then I would be like, hey, man, how, how are you throwing that slider? Because he had a real tight slider with with some good velocity, and I was trying to shorten mine up. So, you know, it's good to see when pitchers, um, especially close teammates, can feed off of each other and help each other because you always got to be tinkering as a pitcher. You always got to be finding finding an edge. And, you know, it hurts me to say this, but it kind of kind of reminds me, Chase, with the curveball, what Skeens did with the changeup um, the other night, having hardly used it at all. And he said it tonight on the broadcast they were interviewing. He said that, you know, he knew our lineup would have a very good plan of attack for the fastball slider. Um, and so he kind of needed something else to go to. And it's kind of like, yeah, you got, you got to respect that. Um, so it, it's just, it's just interesting to see. And and it's kind of cool that he just didn't even have to test it or nothing. He just took it out to the, to the mound in the middle of Omaha. So that took some, <laughs> took some guts right there. But um, like you said, he's got, he's got all the talent in the world but it's kind of coming together for him at a really good time for uh, for him and, and for Vol fans. And, you know, I will say this about bad, bad post podcasting. It is um, 1134 on the East Coast. And, you know, I got people that need that need this tomorrow morning. They're, they're going to be expecting, Will, where's the pod? So, you know, we're going to grind it out and have it out there. So if we got to, you know, spend a couple extra minutes looking for a quote, then so <laughs> be it. I think uh, – I think Vol fans are just are just going to be wanting to hear hear the recap and hear what we're looking uh, forward to on – what is tomorrow? Tuesday. Golly. Tuesday. Buddy, I, Tuesday. I haven't I been in back Knoxville. from Atlanta today. I've got no clue what's going on. I'm just – we're just here. We're talking ball, so we'll make sense of it eventually. I, I'm, I'm with you. I haven't been in Knoxville in, in almost two weeks. I, I don't know what day it is. I've been to Clemson. I've been to Hattiesburg. I've been to New York. I've been to everywhere in between Nashville, Huntsville, and, and Omaha. You Chicago. didn't miss anything in Knoxville today. It rained cats and dogs. Ever since we started talking crap about Hattiesburg, it just been a downpour in Knoxville. <laughs> that, that's what I. That's what I've heard. But I, I the the in the weeds pitching is just so fascinating to me. I, I nerd out. Like I obviously did not play baseball at a high level, but. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed most about when I played baseball growing up is is the IQ side of the game and and all the 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 intricacies on you know pitching and, and hitting and, and fielding and that was always my strongest suit of playing wasn't actually my ability like you will Heflin it was I I didn't know where to go with the baseball when it was hit to me and uh, I, I was pretty smart unfortunately my talent did, did not match my baseball IQ but I was nerding out after the game talking to Burns and uh, Halverson had a good quote uh, and kind of when I asked him about the advice that he was getting and he said the actual grip and, and how I release it like if it's coming off to the side of the middle finger and it's missing arm side too much, I'll go straight down with it to allow it to have more of a splitter action. So I, I thought that was really, really fascinating. And, and I was nerding out. So I certainly wanted to get that quote in there. And, and you talked about it being a historical uh, night for for Chase Burns. I mean, it literally was. And, and kudos to Stanford's coach. He, he really tipped the hat to Chase Burns, and, and he said it himself. It was an all-time performance uh, at the College World Series, and, and the numbers backed it up. Uh, as well, he had nine strikeouts, and it tied for the most in a in a World Series game. 
uh, by Tennessee pitcher with the one and only Todd Helton, who did a good thing uh, or two and through six scoreless innings, gave up just two hits, uh, didn't give up any runs. And that was his second extended uh, re- relief appearance at the NCAA tournament. So he was phenomenal. And he he really you and I were texting and I, I really feel bad for Chase Dolander. I know he wanted to take advantage of the moment, uh, but it was clear that it just wasn't his day early on. And you and I were texting and, and definitely thought that Tennessee needed to go to Chase Burns to, to start that fourth inning. And to me, it wasn't even necessarily about executing pitches. Obviously, that's a big thing. But my number one thing was the energy seemed to be zapped after Stanford jumped out to a 4 nothing lead. And knowing the energy that Chase Burns brings on the mound because of how di- dynamic he is, I thought just getting his energy on the mound and, and being able to kind of spark the dugout was as important as, as anything, and, and that's exactly what it did. I think I think V said that as well, too. Um, and, yeah, I hate that for, for Doe. It, it clearly wasn't going his way. But the good news is, is he might be available um, to turn around and get another crack Okay. So that's down the road a couple days at this point, but you know, we'll keep that in the back pocket. That's not a bad guy to have um to turn around with if we if we were to get to that point. Um I think just from the the Chase Burns vibes and energy energy standpoint, is baseball such a momentum game that when you can get the innings like he had on that carries over into the dugout when you're hitting and it just provides, provides a spark. And you saw it when we were able to claw back into the game. And when we made it four, four, it was basically a a five inning or four inning contest um, moving forward from that point. And it's like, you got to feel really good with where we're at in our bullpen compared to where they were at when we got rid of, Quinn Matthews. Um, and you kind of saw that in the nightcap as well with Wake just having weapon after weapon to go to. And LSU's kind of, they're very top heavy. Let's call a spade a spade. And they had to go to their guy and they had to ride him even when he looked like he was either running out of juice or just they had seen him a second time um, through. They didn't really have any other options to go to. So that's the advantage that we have at this point in the tournament when our backs are against the wall is we're super deep um, in the bullpen. And today it was <laughs> one guy that that took the reins and, and finished the deal. But, you know, tomorrow it could be could be multiple guys or, or um, Wednesday if we get to that point, it could be multiple guys. So it's just it's just that the way that the tournament style plays out. Um and our offense was able to to kind of feed off of the momentum that we got from the defensive side. And so that's what kind of what you need, especially on a day when when the ball's not flying out, you're not going to get a huge swing to to get three or four runs with one swing. You kind of got to piece it together. So when the whole offense has momentum like that, then you can string it together. Yeah, and and, and I do want to touch on Chase Dolander, and this ties into Chase Burns. Uh, I want to touch on Dolander a, a little more. He certainly didn't have it today. Seemed like he just wasn't able to land the slider, and that that really hampered him. Uh, and the fastball command didn't seem to be there. Uh, and I'm going to stir the pot a little bit because of what Tony Vitello said after uh, the game. Uh, he had an interesting quote about Chase Burns and, and how he's one of the best pitchers on the planet. 
And he went on to say, if we can keep playing ball, it will be interesting when his next lump of innings comes. Does it come at the beginning of the game or does it come at the middle or at the end? I thought that was a very, very interesting uh, quote. And I don't know that I would tinker with Chase Burns at this point, but uh, we did just talk about him having four pitches at an elite level and, and that I, is starter level stuff. So, you know, Doe's been a little shaky at times. Uh, Tennessee's come back from four more runs three different times this season. And it's been on days in which Chase Dolander started uh, the Mississippi State game uh, last week at Southern Miss and then today. Uh, so obviously not a great stat uh, in the favor of Doe. And I'm not bringing this up to to harp on Doe. I know how much effort and work ethic that kid has, and I know how much he wants the the moment, but uh, it has been inconsistent at times. And uh, Chase Burns is pitching as as well as anybody uh, in, in the country, even a guy like Quinn Matthews and, and a, maybe even closer to, to Paul Skeens than, than we realize. Uh, Paul Skeens is certainly the best pitcher in college baseball this year by a long shot, but uh, Burns has just been absolute dynamite. And that quote makes you think, and I, I think you could say the same thing for Andrew Lindsay, not just Chase Dolander. Lindsay's been a little shaky the, the last two or three starts. Next time those spots come up, if, if Tennessee can make it to a Wednesday or Thursday, and, and Lindsay didn't throw a ton, a ton of pitches, Doe didn't either. Burns didn't throw a ton tonight. I mean, it'll be interesting to see who they turn to uh, if they can get through the Drew Beam game tomorrow night. Yeah, you got to feel good about Drew Beam game. Um, that's been our hottest starter of late. You know, Chase Burns probably the hottest overall, especially after what he did today. But Drew Beam's been been the hottest starter of the three, so you feel really good there. Let's let me touch on. Um, I wanted to ask you what you thought of Quinn Matthews. Before we before we jump into tomorrow, because obviously they were talking about on the broadcast that his changeup didn't have the same uh, action that it normally does. But early in the game, and really as long as he was in there, the velocity was was normal. It's what it always was. So you didn't see the fatigue from the radar gun standpoint, but I wonder if the 156 from last week maybe affected some of the action on his breaking balls that he normally gets. The other thing that may actually be a bigger story was our approach. We were sitting either slider or change up, depending on, you know, which side of the plate our hitters were on. It, it seemed like he had to go more fastball heavy than he probably would have liked in those middle innings. Um, and I'm trying to remember the at-bat that it was. I think it may have been SEMO. There's one, that, there's, one that, there's one to Dickey where I was surprised by how many fastballs he threw. He, he kind of beat Dickey on a fastball to start the at-bat. And I think it was because Dickey was looking off speed or, or slider, and, and I think it kind of threw him off. But I, I remember Dickey getting more fastballs than I thought he would in, in some of those situations that he had. Yeah, I think I remember that one. And I know now it's coming back to me. I know he got ahead 0-2 uh, on SEMO with two fastballs. And then he came in and SEMO fouled it off. And then he hits the changeup up the middle. That was that was the at-bat um, where SEMO got the hit when we still had bases loaded. He was or, so far out in front of that pitch. He was, but he kept his hands back. And, you know, he got set up perfectly for that pitch. He gets – hammered in with the fastballs and then the changeup away like should get him out but 
you know, for you young hitters out there, you keep those hands back and get the barrel on playing. You got a shot. So, you know, that was a good piece of hitting, but I was really just touching on it to say how committed we were to that approach and how well we executed it. I mean, I think we ended up with like 13 hits today and it took us a while to break through, you know, their left fielder seems to be Bo Jackson out there with that arm. I don't know where that came from. The, the first one I get, he was kind of shallow. I don't know how he made that second play even remotely close. And it was really close. Really close. And Stanford's really coach close. said after the game, like, if, if Zane Denton tagged out, which it was by a hair, I mean, who who knows how the game goes or that fifth inning goes if, if, if Zane Denton's out there for the first out? We probably lose if he's tagged out right there. Probably. I mean, that's just – that's wind out of the sails in the worst way. You, you know – both chances you have to score, you get thrown out at home. That's just tough to overcome. But I'm just saying all that to say our offensive approach today was really enjoyable to watch because it was relentless. And Maui Ahuna is locked in and Dickey is locked in. And we just Blake Burke goes backside double today. I mean, it was it was some guys who had been struggling a little bit. Cal Stark had a huge knock today. It was just it was kind of just what you wanted to see to almost feel good about the lineup, regardless of of the final score and how many runs you scored total. It was just there was a lot we can take away from the game offensively. Oh, and by the way, it was off of a lefty. Yeah, I, I thought you hit the nail on the head. I had the same opinions that that you just expressed. I, I thought Tennessee's success was predicated off of their ability to to lay off all of the junk, the the change-ups and, and the sliders, the the breaking balls, whatever he was throwing up there. They were doing a great job of of laying off. And like you said, I don't think he had the command that he typically does uh, because he wasn't even able to to land them uh, for, for strikes. And, you know, that fastball is low 90s. And Tennessee was just sitting, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball. And when it's not, triple digits or, or plus velocity, they can just be in defense mode with that fastball. And that's what Tennessee did all game long is they 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 laid off the breaking balls. And uh, if they were looking breaking ball and kind of caught off guard with, with the fastball because it was low 90s, they just fouled it off and, and kept battling and battling. So uh, hard not to think that coming off of 156 pitches that that doesn't impact the effectiveness at least a little bit. I mean, and it's been over a week since then. So, so maybe he he was able to recover uh, better than than we think, and maybe it's not the talking point that we're making it out to be. You know, he, he's not going up against the SEC lineups every game in the Pac-12. Uh, he not trying to take anything away from him. He, he's a tremendous pitcher, but he, he's not facing a Tennessee-esque lineup or an SEC-esque lineup three games a weekend every single weekend. So I, I also kind of had that thought going in uh, as well that he's not used to facing guys like he was facing today. Uh, so I, I agree. No, but they did beat Texas a They did. They, they certainly did. Uh, and again, Quinn Matthews is a stud. I mean, not, not really not trying to take anything away from him, um, but hard not to just generally speaking hard not to think that those 156 pitches and not just that but just like all of the work he's done all year didn't somewhat affect him and i made this comment in the press box to to ryan shumpert like it made me think back to your season when y'all came to omaha 
and how Sean Hunley, he came in to both games and it just seemed like he was out of gas because he had been used so much all season. Uh, that That's kind of what it felt like to me. Um, but I, I thought Tennessee's approach was great and, and that was what allowed them uh, to, to be successful. Zane Denton also had two big hits and, and was two for two. Uh, Maui Huna, man, he, he's playing great baseball right now. I, I don't care what anybody on social media or the message boards have to say. Uh, yes, he needs to cut down on the strikeouts. We we can say that time and time and time again, and it and it fe- it just feels worse than than what it is because when he gets out, it's it's a strikeout. He he's not getting out more than anybody else really. It's just when he gets out, it's a strikeout. So it seems worse than than what it actually is. But he's been a vacuum at shortstop, and uh, he's had several big hits these last couple of of weeks during postseason play, and and he kind of set the tone. Uh, first Tennessee hitter, leadoff hitter. Uh, since Chris Burke to have three hits in a game uh, back in 2001, I believe Chris Burke did it uh, against Miami. Uh, and you mentioned how many hits Tennessee had. It was it was 13 hits, and uh, that's tied for the uh, not tied. It's the third most uh, that Tennessee has had in a World Series game. They played in 20 of them. It was the third most hits that they've had in a game in Omaha. So uh, it was a great day offensively. And I wanted to touch on Rios out in left field. I was as impressed with Stanford's left fielder as any players I've seen all season long. Uh, and the numbers kind of speak for themselves. But just watching him in person, I mean, he he was awesome at the plate. Uh, he he had a tremendous amount of success. And then his arm, and I wanted to get your thoughts on, on this as well, that that first one, the, the one where he threw Maui out at the plate, to me, I off the bat, I thought it was deep enough to, to score Maui from third. But the wind was blowing straight in, and I was surprised by how shallow that pop-up ended up being. And then, of course, his momentum is taking him towards home plate. Uh, and, and Josh Elander probably needs to recognize that in the moment and, and hold up Maui there. And I'm sure that he would admit that uh, because – and I haven't seen the replay. Maybe Maui was looking back at the left fielder, but typically you're taught to listen to your third base coach, and your third base coach tells you when to go. Uh, so that is on Elander, and I'm sure that he would admit that. Uh, the second one was just an absolutely incredible throw. And like you said, I I was not at all anticipating that being a close play at the plate. I had already looked down at my computer to kind of tweet that, oh, okay, Tennessee scored or yada, yada, yada. Tennessee's on the board finally. And I look up and it's like, oh, this is going to be a close play at the plate. So I tip my hat to Rios. I was as impressed by him as as anybody I've watched all season long. And uh, I, I've, I've seen Tennessee play some great players this season. Yeah, he was the uh, Pac-12 player of the year, I'm pretty sure. So for good reason, clearly. Um, that That's an absolute hose and left. I Honestly, when he threw it, the second one, I figured he was just going to third to make sure we weren't going to – the other two guys weren't going to advance. Um, but, nope, he threw it on a beeline to home plate. So that's, that's just good baseball right there. So thank goodness that um, – who was running right there? Was it Cal? I think it was Cal. Cal was running the third. Uh, Zane was was going home. Zane. Well, okay. Well, Zane's not the fleetest of foot. Um, <laughs> no, he's not. So maybe that made it a little closer than it needed to be. I mean, and to but, your point about looking like he was going to third, I mean, Cal did not tag up from second to third. Uh, no. Because he probably thought he was he going probably did. to third as well. And at that point, Tennessee was losing, losing 4 nothing. That made it 4-1. And you're not going to run yourself out of a, a potential bigger inning. Uh, but just that goes to show you that they weren't anticipating him going home either. No, yeah, and, you know, hopefully Zane was running full speed the whole time because 
if he wasn't and gotten thrown it out, then he would have felt like a big old bonehead. But yeah, I mean, I'm super impressed with him. And I was also really impressed with um, Tommy Troy, the two hole. They were talking today how he hadn't swung and missed at a fastball the whole season that was over 95 miles an hour. Wow. And he got four or five at least from Doe and Burns combined that were all over 95 and he didn't swing and miss at a single one of them. He had one that was a check swing that he didn't go on. And they said, Oh, almost, but still, still didn't, uh, still didn't get him to swing and miss. So, and they were all like up in the zone. So super quick hands. He's just a, a pure hitter. That's a really good lineup, which just speaks more about chase Burns and, and what he was able to do today. I mean, that was, that that was a really good lineup, and he just held him down and really kind of made him look silly for for six straight innings. And you kind of think that, okay, he's he's got very dominant stuff. So first time through the order, he's probably going to cruise, and then second time things may get a little dicey, and it just never did. Like I think they got a leadoff runner on one time, but it was just like literally nothing happened after that, and it seemed like every time he was did happen to get down an account. He just had that slider that they couldn't they couldn't even make contact with that he would either flip in for a strike or or get back in the count with a swinging strike. And so he kind of had that, which to your point earlier about Doe, he didn't have that. He didn't have that slider to get him back into counts, and they were just sitting dead red heater on him. And so he wasn't getting any swings and misses, like at all. And Burns Burns was able to land the slider and tunnel that with his with his great fastball and and be a little bit more up in the zone and maybe pitch in and they just weren't able to get extended on anything and he was able to get back into counts and that's why they weren't real sure where he was going to go so he got you know the swings and misses that doe was looking for and i tell you what chase burns is is earning himself a lot of money uh the (laughs) these last every time he goes out there two months but especially like this this ncaa tournament and what's crazy is like he was already viewed as a top five top ten pick in in next year's draft and there, there were some conversations more so after his freshman year or midway through his freshman year uh, about potentially being the number one overall pick in in 2024 that died down kind of with his struggles to end his freshman year and the struggles to begin this year but man has Here he kind of come. revamped that that conversation uh so uh we're going to take a quick break and come back on the other side and uh, preview this Tennessee LSU game uh, real quick before we get out of here, which will be another fun primetime game on Tuesday night. So we'll be back here in just a moment. Money! Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back into the Diamond Balls podcast on GoBalls247.com. I'm Ben McKee, joined by former Tennessee pitcher Will Heflin, reacting to Tennessee's win over Stanford and about to preview a rematch, a fifth game between Tennessee and LSU this season. Before we get into that conversation, would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you do get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Will, I, I thought... Monday night, still can't remember what day it is, even though I literally just mentioned it. Uh, Monday night, I thought played out in, in Tennessee's favor. I, I in my opinion, uh, thought it was uh, the best thing for Tennessee to, to face LSU uh, tomorrow instead of Wake Forest, just simply so they don't have to face Paul Skeens again. I mean, it, it's literally <laughs> that simple in, in my head. And LSU has the best lineup in the country. Wake Forest and Florida would probably like a, a word with that comment, but LSU's lineup is just deadly and, and filthy, and, and Wake Forest will be tough to get through. Uh, but just simply not having to to deal with Paul Skeens again, whereas if if LSU beats Wake Forest on, on Monday night, he probably pitches. If Tennessee can get to Thursday, he probably pitches that Thursday game uh, with, the, with the championship series on the line, and Wake Forest has a ton of pitching. And uh, again, they're going to be tough to, to go through, but they're not Paul Skeens. Uh, Paul Skeens is, is Paul Skeens for a reason. And, and you and I raved about him uh, for a good bit on, on, on Sunday morning and and rightfully so. But uh, Tennessee has a rematch with LSU and they're not going to have to deal with Paul Skeens. Uh, we'll have to deal with a lineup, but you, you got to feel confident if you're a Tennessee fan that maybe the offense can can get something going this time around. Yep, you're exactly right. Um I normally don't like to stir the pot or, or kind of get into to some of the narratives, but hey, man, it's late. And uh, <laughs> I've already stirred the pot got, once. We got them Tigers again, Ben McKee. This is exactly what I wanted. Okay. I think that this has set up better than if we would have played Wake tomorrow and then tried to have to beat LSU twice. They went all out for tonight's win. I was expecting their game three starter to be Mr. Hurd, who threw 50 pitches out of the bullpen for them. They are a little bit slim, and I don't typically like to say stuff like that and certainly, you know, give the other team bulletin board material, especially after my my rant on the last podcast about Paul Skeens and how we didn't need to give him any extra motivation, which was, you know, clearly correct, whether he saw that or not. Um, but let me just tell you about Oregon State. This was their regional championship. It's the last game three um, that they had to play because you have to win three to win your regional championship. The Super Regional, they won the first two against Kentucky, so we didn't have to see them go any deeper into the bullpen than what you would expect to see um, having won the first two games. So Riley Cooper, who we saw on uh, what day was that, Ben? Saturday? Yes. Saturday. It was Saturday. Days are hard. Riley Cooper uh, closed the game Saturday. So he started that game against Oregon State, went three and two-thirds. Then they went with Ackenhausen. I may have said that wrong. He was getting hot tonight. They went with Hurd uh, instead. He threw an inning in two-thirds, and then Griffin Herring threw three innings. He got the win in that game. Um, he's got a four-and-two record, so 
looks like he has thrown a decent bit for them. Maybe he was their midweek starter when um, maybe later in the year or something like that. And then Gidry threw in that game as well, who we've seen a lot. Um, but I, the reason I say I'm ready to stir the pot is Jay Johnson after their game when asked what they would do tomorrow, said we have nine guys available and we need to get 27 outs against a really good team, blah, 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 blah. Basically, he said, we're going to Johnny Holstaff it. That's kind of got to make you feel good as a Tennessee fan. That tells me it's like, hey, we really don't trust what we got. And I don't blame him. Christian Little hasn't turned out like you thought he would. Um, you know, most of their most of their staff doesn't have over 30 innings. I think the only guys that do outside of their main three or four are um Cooper and then Blake Money, who we haven't seen in the last little bit either. I don't I don't know if he's hurt or if he just has kind of been put on the shelf, but I he's probably he still nine running. guys. I'm not sure who they are. He's probably still running his mouth uh, from that 2021 super regional at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, Blake Money. Well, Maybe he is, but the, the my only question is, is like, who are the nine? I don't get it. And, and look, Jay Johnson had an edge to him in, in his postgame press conference. He, he was not happy, uh, and it didn't feel like he wasn't happy just simply because they they lost. Uh, he, he seemed uh, to, to have an over-the-top edge to him. And I was going to mention the quote as well, and I would encourage people uh, to to go listen to how he said it as well. He had a tone uh, to it when he was asked about his pitching plans. And he said, we've got nine guys. We're going to pick one of the the nine guys. He's going to get as many outs for as long as he possibly can. Then we're going to go to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy and then the, and the next guy until we get 27 outs against a really good baseball team. And he said it a lot meaner than, than, than I just said it. He, he was kind of... He was kind of on edge, and I don't think that was – I think he's uncomfortable with his pitching staff at the moment going into tomorrow. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you have to have a lot of confidence from that standpoint. I think it would be very disappointing if Tennessee is is not able to have success offensively. Uh, but I also think, on the other hand, what kind of reels the confidence back in is is that LSU lineup. Um, if if Drew Beam shows up and is the Drew Beam that we've seen lately, then Tennessee is winning tomorrow. I, I'm very confident in, in thinking that because, uh, again, I'd, I'd be very surprised if, if Tennessee's offense no-showed. I, I think they're in a really, really good place right now. I, I think they've been in a, a really good place uh, the last two months, month and a half. And uh, I, I think Tennessee's now won 27 of the last 27 games. And, and there's obviously been some offensive clunkers in there, but that's baseball. Like you're, you're going to have offensive clunkers here and there. So obviously the offense can't go ice cold. And I'm sure I sound like a, a broken record saying the same thing over and over again about the offense, not going ice cold, but what drew beam and Tennessee's pitching staff, you've got a fresh Seth Halverson. You've got a fresh Camden Sewell, drew beam, Camden Sewell, Seth Halverson. I'll throw in Aaron Combs. Maybe AJ Russell. Russell was able to get a couple outs at the end of the LSU game on Saturday night. Like that, that's five guys right there that, quite frankly, LSU would be dying to have any one of those guys. And it sounds like Riley Cooper is is going to be the starter. That's what one LSU writer suggested in the press box. And and Riley Cooper's good. 
Don't get it twisted. But LSU's three main guys, at least coming into the season, uh, I think Ty Floyd and especially Thatcher Hurd have have been a little disappointing this season. Well, Shores was, and he went down. Yes, he did go down. He did go down. But uh, in terms of the guys that are healthy, you heard a lot of Thatcher Hurd and Ty Floyd after Paul Skeens, and, and it's kind of been a roller coaster for them this season, kind of like uh, Chase Dolander, but but to to even a, a more extreme at, at times. And, and, you know, Herring, he, he's come in and, and gotten some key outs along the way this season. Uh, Gavin Guidry, who Hunter Inslee took deep the other night, uh, he, he's actually been – Really, really solid. I believe he's a true freshman, and he's had a nice freshman season this year. But, I mean, all of their – like, LSU's pitching staff already is pause for concern if you're an LSU fan and if you're Jay Johnson. And the three best bullets are no longer in the chamber going into an elimination game while Drew Beam appears to be pitching the best baseball of his career. And Tennessee has – I just mentioned all the guys that they have – you know, ready to go in the bullpen, it, it it's the the matchup is in Tennessee's favor, as crazy as that sounds. And again, that LSU lineup it's frightening. They could they could go off and, and win it single handedly. That that's how good that lineup is. But boy, do you have to have confidence uh in this game if you're a Tennessee fan or a Tennessee player as well. And and it's why it was so important that you played LSU today, I think, instead of having to beat them twice and, and one of those two wins having to be against Paul Skeens because you're not dealing with Paul Skeens tomorrow night. No, you're not. And I wanted to ask you um, where you think Vitella will go after after Bean. But before that, let me let me play the other side just for a moment just so we don't get caught with our pants down. The point of Johnny Holstaff and the the positive to uh, managing a, a game that way when you don't have a bona fide starter to try to get deep into a game is it does two things for your for your staff. One, it allows it prevents the other offense from seeing a guy multiple times. So if you've got several guys that can get you through a lineup once, or maybe they're just you got a lefty and we have, you know, maybe Maui and, and Dickey coming up that inning, then you can play matchups that way. It it can be tough for an offense sometimes to get in a rhythm. We've seen it in midweek games, especially when guys, when teams go Johnny Holstaff because they're trying to make sure they're prepared and rested up for the weekend. Sometimes it gives offenses trouble and it may prevent Tennessee from getting in a rhythm that you would hope. Um, but on the, on the flip side of that, it's very nerve wracking from their side because if one guy that you put in is off, you can have a big inning explode very quickly. Um, and so when you have a starter and he's, you know, a bona fide consistent guy, then you kind of know, okay, I can at least get to a certain point in the game and then I piece it together. When you start it from the jump, it can get out of hand very quickly. Um, or, it can go the way I said, where, you know, you've got several guys that do a good job, get you through the lineup, maybe one to three inning range, and you just kind of piece it together. So I want to just say that so we don't get caught with our pants down. It is possible. Um, I would rather Johnny Holstaff with what we have versus with what they have, but that's neither here nor there. Where do you think V goes after beam and 
I know we have Halverson and Sewell both available. They did both throw in the game one. I'm not 100% sure how many Halverson throw. I, I thought he threw a couple more than Sewell did pitches-wise. He threw 18 and Sewell threw 23. No, no, sorry, oh, that's strikes. Right. Uh, Halverson threw 31. 18 of them were strikes. Uh, so 31 pitches for Halvey and 23 for Sewell. But still, both have multiple days rest. So they should be full go. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and, and before... I answer that and, and you answer your own question uh, to, to to your point about the Johnny Hole staff. That's that's a great point about Tennessee's offense not being able to get into a rhythm. I think on, on the other side and, and Tennessee's optimism is that, A, at least they're familiar with the guys that are going to be out there, even if it's a short period of time. There, there's only a select few that LSU can throw, and they face them at some point this season, whether it be back at back in Baton Rouge or or the other night. Uh, and then also, like, Jay Johnson is, is in, in between a rock and a hard place because now, because they lost tonight, they now have to win three games in three days. And, like, yeah, Paul Skeens may be able to bite off a good chunk of that if you're able to get to Thursday, but you've got to get through 18 innings and what's 27 plus 27? That's 50-something. 54, thank you. I went to journalism school, not math school. What'd you major in? Logistics. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Fifty-four outs is is what uh, LSU has to get before it can get to Paul Skeens, and and they just simply do not have uh, the the pitching depth uh, to to really. It, to me, I would be very surprised uh, if if LSU makes it to the championship series. Uh, this is why I picked Wake Forest uh, to 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 make it to the championship series on this side. I thought Paul Skeens would get the best of Tennessee. And then I thought LSU would not have the pitching depth uh, to, to beat Wake Forest, but well, that's why you saw them go all out for tonight. They knew yes. that. Yes. 1000%. And uh, like even looking ahead to Wednesday, like Ty Floyd through 97 tonight uh, that you heard through, through 65, like it, it's going to be kind of towards the end of the week before even those guys are, <laughs> could potentially come back as well. So, I mean, the more I talk about it, the more like I will be just super surprised if if LSU is able to knock off Tennessee and then beat Wake Forest twice because I just don't see them having the pitching depth uh, to to do so. So those those are two positives I think in, in Tennessee's favor in terms of the Johnny Holstaff because that Johnny Holstaff can can really throw you off, and that's why yeah midweek games you don't really put your best foot forward, but that is why you see some SEC teams lose midweek games because the offense just can't get into a rhythm because they're seeing new guy after new guy after new guy. Uh, so uh, something to to keep in mind uh, tomorrow as uh, LSU goes Johnny Holstaff. I, but I am also curious like how long Jay Johnson rides a guy just knowing that you you do have a lot of outs. To, to pick up th- this week. And, and if you got a hot hand, you, you kind of got to ride with him just because you're so limited in options. In terms of who Tony Vitello turns to first, obviously it's circumstantial. Um, but, and it's hard for me to answer the question just because it is so circumstantial. Uh, the, the first guy out of the bullpen for me, unless Drew Beam gives you seven or eight, is is Seth Halverson to bridge the gap to Camden Sewell. And if you want to mix and match here and there uh, with Aaron Combs coming in to, to get a guy like you saw him do against Southern Miss, you saw him do against LSU the other night, then then cool. Um, but Xander, Kirby, if, if you need a lefty-lefty matchup, uh, obviously Kirby would be first up. And he got the job done the other night as well. Uh, 
so aside from those two maybe coming in here or there to get a one batter, I, I think I'm trying to bridge the gap between Drew Beam to Camden Sewell with Seth Halverson. Um, and, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, I think those are your three bullets in the chamber tomorrow. And then you, you really just got to worry about it a day at a time. Like we can talk about, okay, does Chase Burns start later in the week? Uh, when can Andrew Lindsay come back? When can Chase Dolander come back? Because they didn't throw 100 pitches in, in their starts these last two games. But none of that matters unless you win tomorrow night and, and beat LSU. So you got to kind of take it game by game. And everybody knows this. I'm, I'm being Captain Obvious. Uh, here, but that that's how I would go about it. Uh, and, and if you could avoid using Seth Halverson, if if Beam gets you to the to the eighth, and you can pass the baton to Camden, I think that would be awesome because then you can save Halverson for one of these two games uh, against Wake Forest. And if you don't feel comfortable bringing Angel, Andrew Lindsay back to start on Wednesday uh, after he pitched on Saturday, then you could start Seth Halverson on on, on Wednesday. Uh, but th- those are the three guys that I'm writing. If Beam only gets you five or even has to come out early, kind of like Chase Dolander did today because he doesn't have it, then A.J. Russell is somewhere in the mix, a combination of Halvey, A.J. Russell to get to Sewell. But that, that's kind of where my thought process is at. It's, it's honestly hard to dial in and answer because there's so many options, and, and it's why you saw Todd Walker and Dave Serrano say that this this Tennessee team – could and will win the national championship because their pitching depth is is just ridiculous. Yeah, and I kind of set you up to fail on that one. Um, Thanks, buddy. But you, you laid it you laid it out perfectly. That those are kind of the the circumstances that I was thinking about in my head, and I you know I don't care if it's Johnny Holstaff or if it was Paul Skeens tomorrow. I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, so you got to empty the tank. And if that means using Sewell or Halverson, I mean, Sewell and Halverson, then you do that. But if for some reason we can have a very comfortable lead and the first guy we go to has a hot hand, kind of like Burns did today, maybe it's not as long. Maybe it's, you know, like you said, uh, Beam gets a six or seven, and then you give the ball to Sewell and he finishes it off. Then perfect. You've got Sewell or you've got Halverson to start the next one, or or vice versa. I'm cool with Camden Sewell starting, but I wanted to. I was trying to set you up for if it's a barn burner tomorrow, like I think it will be, because it's Omaha and LSU is a great baseball team, and their lineup will not go down easy. Doesn't matter who we got on the mound. You burn both of those bullets and you get the win. Then where do you go on Wednesday? Game one against Wake, and I think you. I think you already said it. I think it's you think AJ Lindsay? Russell. Oh, AJ Russell. I think you think AJ Russell? Let me ask you this. Uh, let, let me ask you this because you, you obviously know much better uh, about arm recovery uh, at, at the college level. When do you think would be the ideal time to to bring Andrew Lindsay back? Because he only threw seventy two pitches. He, I, I think, on Thursday, Saturday. I think best bet you probably bring him back on on Thursday if you can make it to Thursday. He threw seventy two on Saturday. He threw seventy two on Saturday, but see, and this is the fascinating he question. Could throw, he could throw the first game against Wake if we get there. I think, I think so too. I would. I would. And so Russell. I would. No, I'm saying if it were me personally, okay, I'd be ready to roll tomorrow. Well, Call yeah. Me. Call me you're Quinn up. Matthews. I don't care. I'm 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 throwing till the wing falls off. But well, you're also on the Kirby Cunnell and Xander Seacrest recovery plan. 
What is that supposed to mean? Y- y'all crafty lefties don't need as much time as uh, these these that other is, horses. That is not true. It takes me the same amount of effort to throw 91 as it does Chase Burns <laughs> to throw 101, okay? Just because the number is different doesn't mean the effort's not the same. Um, but no, now see, now I'm off track. Um, who who are you turning to Wednesday? If if you burn Camden, if Sewell I throw Sewell and Halverson, if I throw Sewell and Halverson tomorrow, I'm starting either Andrew Lindsay if I'm a hundred percent sure that he's good to go, or AJ Russell. Yes, that, that's, but I would I would lean AJ Russell, and I'm I'm super I'm super um, protective of guys' arms that have pro careers. Like uh, I think Andrew Lindsay has a great career ahead of him, so I think it makes more sense to have him go Thursday if you can get there. Um, because if you're going to have to throw both of them regardless, I would, I would, you know, I would at least open with Russell, um, and see what happens because this is the time of year we talked about it before the regional. Somebody has to step up huge. And I think V and, and Frank are the same way in that they're kind of this is the time of the year where you got to give somebody an opportunity and see if they run with it. It's I, just I my think, two cents. Well, no, I mean I think you're you're spot on. Wes and I were having this conversation at like two in the morning last night. If if Tennessee were able to to make it, and this was under the assumption that Chase Dolander was going to throw. 100 pitches and be out of the question now he's back in the question because he could come back on on thursday and pitch as well he threw 58 today 58 pitches chase dolander through today uh so i, I think he's a candidate uh, to start on on thursday as well and again this was before chase came back into the mix uh, but we were kind of tossing out aj russell and, and andrew Lindsay as well and whether it would be more beneficial to give Andrew Lindsay an extra day's rest and have him pitch that Thursday game and then turn the ball over to A.J. Russell on Wednesday or make sure you're able to get to Thursday and start Lindsay on short rest on Wednesday. And really my thought process behind this is, and I love A.J. Russell. He's been very, very impressive all year long. He's still a true freshman. And there's only been once all season in which he's kind of been thrown into the fire and it was the other night against LSU. And and look, I'm more inclined to think that he would swim rather than sink. I'm not casting doubt on his ability. I, I think he's capable of getting the job done, even as a true freshman, even despite maybe a lack of resume in big games. I think he's that good, but I'm a cautious person and I would be a little nervous to to throw him into that fire. And I think I'd rather go with, I've seen Andrew Lindsay pitch in that fire and, and roll with Lindsay on short rest on Wednesday and then figure out Thursday and hope that I can start Camden Sewell or Seth Halverson. But now, if you make it to Thursday, Chase Dolander's got to be your guy on Thursday if you make it that far. 58 pitches on Monday. Am I speaking out of turn that he can come back and, and start on Thursday? Now, you would you might not be able to to have him in the championship series unless you were to play game three on on Monday. But I think if you make it to Thursday at this point, I I think it would be Chase Dolander only throwing 58 pitches today. He could he could at least open for you. I don't think he'd be ready to roll for a full start. I mean, it's still close to 60 in two days rest. Also, 
do you really want the guy who has struggled early to be the opener? It's like maybe, maybe Thursday, if, if we did go to Lindsay on Wednesday and we won Thursday, you could go AJ Russell as your opener and then bring in Doe and see how far he can give you. Yeah. That, that's an interesting point. point. It is. Let me, what, what, let me what are your thoughts that, on what I said about Russell? Uh, I think that's fair. I just, nobody's a true freshman at this point in the year. Like, dude, you've been in the dugout and on the mound for 60 plus games now. And like you said, it's sink or swim. And I kind of, I kind of like to see guys come out of the shadows and, and put up big time performances. Um, and I think we've seen that from a couple other teams that have gotten this far that don't have as much bona fide depth as we do because they look quite literally had to have people step up or they wouldn't be here. Um, we would have to play a lot of baseball games in a row to have to reach for that. And we might get to that point. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, I'm just luckily we're not the ones that have to make that decision because it's tough. I mean, we just laid out like three or four options and all of them make sense. And none of them are like, Oh yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And there's like 30 different scenarios that, that go into the options. And, and honestly, like, if Tennessee wins tomorrow, we'll have a better answer tomorrow night because we'll we'll I think if if it's not Andrew Lindsay and Chase Dolander on, on Wednesday, Thursday, and I, I you made a great point that I should have made. Like even if you start Chase Dolander on Thursday, he's not throwing a hundred pitches. He's probably throwing another sixty. Would you think that kind of yeah. be the range sixty to seventy? Uh he, he could certainly pitch in some capacity, just couldn't give you the traditional start that, that you're used to seeing from him. But he could certainly get you an inning at minimum after only throwing 58 pitches. Um, but aside from Lindsay and Dolander, I think Lindsay would certainly start one of those two, but knowing better tomorrow night, if Tennessee wins, I think Seth Halverson or Camden Sewell, if one of those guys are not used on Tuesday, then I'm starting one of them probably on Wednesday. Honestly, I, if, yeah, if I don't, if I don't 100%. use, Camden Sewell or, or Seth Halverson. And look, if, if one of them throws, you know, seven to 10 pitches to get Tennessee out of a jam or, or finish off an inning, then I'd still turn around and start one of them if I taxed the other one. I, I'm I'm trying to go Sewell, Halverson on Wednesday and then Lindsay on Thursday. I think that would be my ultimate goal. Now, I do think, again, if you pitch Lindsay on Thursday, then you you may not you would not have him until Monday of the championship series if there was a game three and that would still be on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days rest. So uh, some guy's going to have to to really bulk up. Now, here's a, a quick question. Last thing on, on the pitching plans and we can get out of here. Uh, Chase Burns through 73 today. When do you think Chase Burns would be available again? Uh, his answer would be tomorrow. <laughs> Coach Anderson and Vitello and the trainer Woody would probably say at worst case scenario, like super fire drill, got to have it would be Wednesday. Uh, most likely it'll be Thursday and probably like a two inning max type deal. Um, yeah. you, you had to spend them to get, to get to where you are. And that's that's cool. That's good. I would say I would say he's available for a, a 
couple innings on Thursday, one to two max on Wednesday, but he's down tomorrow for sure. Oh, what well, no, no doubt about being down. I think in an ideal world, and a, and a thought that just popped into my head, in a perfect world, closes out Thursday night's win, comes back and starts game two or game three of the championship series because you probably burn Dolly or Lindsay at the end of this weekend, and they probably wouldn't be fully available in the championship series. Burns comes back, closes out Thursday, comes back and starts that game two or game three in the championship series. I now that I've got a baseball erection over over here. That would be that would be crazy. But we will know a lot more after tomorrow night and each game that follows because you you get to see what's used and evaluate what's available. But it is fun. It's so fun to talk about what if this, what if that. And I know if the coaches were listening, they'd be like, I don't even I don't even want to think about that. We're focused on right now, but that's so fun when you get into tournament style baseball and it's just okay, what where do we go if this happens? Where do we go if that happens? Like that's what that's what I hope all of all baseball fans are doing and enjoying because that's one of the best parts about being in Omaha is like we get it, we just get it back to back to back now. And it's just it's such it's awesome. I mean, it's so fun to talk about and just try to see, try to talk about all the possibilities and you know, one of those seven or eight possibilities will actually happen. Um, but you don't, you don't know which one it is to, till it happens. And you can say, Oh, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> Welcome to the media world, Will, where it is fun to talk about all the things that you're not allowed to talk about as players, where, where you can look ahead to the games in the future that you're not allowed to look at as a player. Uh, a quick, serious question. As players, do you all kind of have these conversations as well, or are you strictly trained to – I know y'all are trained to go game by game, but is there a little bit of you back in the hotel, in the locker room, kind of planning it out as well? 100%. Yeah, that's what I, I, I don't know thought. if you can hear me. 100%. Will Heflin and Evan Russell used to be the best hotel coaches that you could ever imagine. We would talk about – everything under the sun in terms of where we thought things would go. We did our own game recaps. We we could have had our own dang podcast in our, in our hotel room. We would just lay there and watch SEC network, whoever was on or, you know, in postseason, you're just watching anybody you think that you might get matched up with. And man, that's, that's fun. And I know you're not supposed to actually talk about it, but we did. Well, I'm going to have to not allow you to talk about and, and daydream about you and Evan having a podcast so you so you don't uh, leave us here on, on the Diamond I Balls podcast do that to you. because uh, you you and Evan would be an absolute show uh, to, together. Uh, real quick, uh, before we get out of here, we've gone much longer. It's 1230 Eastern. You've got work in the morning, a real job unlike I do. Although, hey, I'll be up bright and early. 630 Central Time, getting ready for a, a, a nice quick Swain event hour. Uh, in the morning, so I'll be up early as, as what well. What time is that? Uh, eight to nine Eastern. All right. I'm, 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 I, I'm in, I'm in Central Time Zone. So, uh, uh, tuning in. Days, time Mr. zones. Mister Swain and I texted him after the game, and I said, "Ooh, we Jason Swain." I said, "You got them Tigers again." That Swain, man cracks me up, bro. He's he's hilarious, and like his baseball questions crack me up. He knows uh, well. the game. He does. He, he does. knows it really well. I know he's a football guy, but uh, his takes are 
extremely solid. Yeah, it's it's funny to he'll text me during the game asking me about stuff. It's pretty funny. But on a serious note, quick thought on the way out the door, keys to to winning. I mean, it's Drew Beam's got to set the tone. And just can't allow the the LSU offense, and it's not just Drew Beam. The whole pitching staff just can't allow the off the LSU offense to have a, a career day to to just absolutely explode. And like Tennessee's offense, you just got to take advantage of the situation that LSU's pitching staff is in. Yep, I think I think the keys are extremely obvious, but I will give you a pick to click tomorrow. And his initials are GM, and his name is Griffin Merritt. He will be my pick to click on Tuesday night. I like it. I, who you I, got? Who do I have? Man, I'm going with Jared Dickey. He he. Just, how can you not go with Jared Dickey? That that's the most obvious, easy answer. It's like saying Paul Skeens is going to pitch well, uh, but. <laughs> He's a. I mean, he just continues to piece together professional at bats. I mean, he did it today, and the and he's not really. Barrel. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what he what he is. Old school chokes up on the bat with two strikes, sees pitches, fouls them off until he gets one to to smoke it. And he's not really hitting for power right now, but boy, is he coming up with clutch hit after clutch hit after clutch hit. I mean, how many two run singles up the middle to to steal the momentum has he had this this tournament? At least three or four just in the last two weekends uh, alone. And I'd have to go back and think about the Clemson regional. That seems like a year ago at this point, but I'm, I'm rolling with, with Jared Dickey to take, take advantage of, uh, of a pitching staff that is not in a good spot because Jared Dickey is in a great spot right now at the plate. Yep. Well, if those two guys click, I don't see us losing. So no, no not at all. Well, Will, thank you for your time, my friend, and uh, make sure you don't, snooze or, or doze off uh to tomorrow I'm, I'm sure you and pete Durke going golfing at like 4 43 timed it out perfectly to where you can get back and watch the game uh but we were already texting day man that stupid weather we had the perfect tuesday planned and it's supposed to rain but yeah shout out my man pete we gotta golf soon it's been you know almost a whole week since we've been out there so well and we gotta get pete on pete on the podcast after the uh after the season and, and open up that guy. He was quiet, like I said before, when he was a player, but I, I'm sure he's got some some stuff to say. He's got some stories as well. I'm, I'm sure he's got some good Will Heflin stories, so we'll have to get him on here. We'll stay stay awake during work tomorrow, and uh, always appreciate your time, my friend. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow night, uh, another late edition of the podcast. Yes, sir. Go Vols. Need a win. He's Will Heflin. I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that 
at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.